Good morning. So as it was said, I come from Word of Life Bible Seminary back in Atibaia. Uh, you guys know Atibaia or you heard about Atibaia for the good or bad reasons. But anyway, everybody knows what, at least have an idea about Atibaia. Uh, you have a picture of my family coming up, so they couldn't be with me today, this morning. You have my wife. Uh, Carol, or Carol, she's Brazilian, she's also, I'm from Rio de Janeiro, I'm from Macaé, uh, and my wife is from, oh, you're from Macaé too? Okay. Oh, <laughs> she knows Macaé, yeah, Macaé also is a famous city, I don't know if for good or bad reasons, but anyway, uh, my wife is from Niterói, and then we have our daughter, Emma, she's five, Samuel, uh, she, he, he's turning three in a month, and Amos, or Amos, he is uh, he's going to turn two in July. Uh, we have been serving with Word of Life since 2010. I was, a, I was a student at Word of Life Seminary in Atibaia uh, for five years. I was, also, I was also a student at Word of Life Bible Institute in Hungary. And then, since I finished my studies there, I have been serving with them. My wife joined me in 2012 when we got married. And we served in Hungary and South Korea. We lived in, South, in Hungary for seven years, uh, for six years, sorry, as missionaries with Word of Life Bible Institute. I was a Bible professor and also a dean of students and later uh, executive dean of the school there. And in 2017, we moved to South Korea. We served in South Korea for two years at Word of Life Bible Institute also. I was also a Bible professor and the executive dean. And then in 2019, we came back to Brazil. We came back to Atibaia, and that's where we are serving, teaching, and having many opportunities there. We came right a few months before the pandemic initiated, so it affected our ministry somehow, but uh, it just gave us more work to do. But it's been a very nice uh, opportunity being here. We came back to Brazil because of our son Samuel. He has his his deaf. He was born deaf, so we had to come back because the best place for him for him to be was Brazil, uh, to do a cochlear implant surgery and then to have his uh, rehab done here. So that's why we came back. The Lord brought us back. But we are very happy that we are back to Brazil uh, because it's our country. Uh, we are. Uh, close to our family, and our family is from Rio de Janeiro also, but uh, anyway, and so many opportunities we have here, but it was amazing to be on the mission field, and we don't know if the Lord still wants us to go back in the future. Uh, we are open to it. Uh, once a missionary, always a missionary, I think. I don't know if everybody would say that, but anyway, so that's my family. Oh, by the way, uh, Emma was born in Hungary, Samuel and Amos were born in South Korea, even though they are all Brazilians, because neither none of those countries accept, give citizenship for people who are born there. Let us talk about fearless tomorrow. Let us talk about Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. Well, you know the worst thing about the future, the worst thing about the future is that you can't go there to find out what is in the future. So you don't really know what's going to happen. Actually, uh, uh, all of us could say this. Uh, this is a very annoying thing seen in the last one and a half years. We don't know what's, 
what, what's waiting for us after the situation we have been living through in this uh, past one and a half years. So the worst thing about the future, we can't go there and find out. But you know what? God can go there. God knows the future. He went to the future and he came back. He sees the future. He sees the past. He sees the whole thing, the whole history. And he knows exactly what is going to happen to us. Uh, I was talking to one of, our, uh, one of the elders uh, minutes ago. Uh, his family is from Espírito Santo. And he said, oh, every time we travel to visit our family, we stop, uh, we stop at Macaé just to, we know, yeah, we've been there many times and stuff. So how is Macaé doing? He said, well, uh, into every, when I was on the mission field, we had to come to Brazil often for, on furlough. And in, back in 2014, I visited my city after years without going there. And it was rich, very rich, because of, it's the oil capital of Brazil. Very, very rich. All my friends were dealing really well financially. My church was like rich. Everybody was rich. The, the, you saw these opulence, the traffic jams, and all the problems that come with wealth in, in, in cities like Macaé. But anyway, this opulence and, and people displaying all the beautiful cars and everything and this arrogance in the city. People think they were uh, the best ones and w we are enough. Then in 2017, I went back to Brazil. Uh, I, went, I came back to Brazil on furlough and I went to visit my city again. And when I got there, the city was totally depressed. Corruption on Petrobras destroyed the company, almost destroyed the company, and the oil industry uh, came down. Uh, and a lot of people moved, moved out of the city, and I met friends of mine who three years before, they were like swimming like um, Uncle Scrooge, swimming on money. They were like Uncle Scrooge, and now they were really, really in a bad shape. People who... They were batting their futures in seeking political careers or working with the unions and stuff, and they were now in a very bad situation. The city was depressed. The church was feeling bad. Everybody was bad, feeling bad in that city. And that was a lesson. We never know what the future holds for us. We can't go there. And the future can change anything, like in the blink of an eye. And we know this. Actually, I, I don't even need to school you on this. Life is schooling all of us in this. When I arrived in Brazil in back late 2019, at the end of 2019, things were doing great. Word of life in Atibaia was doing great. Our uh, hotel was like a lot of people coming and going. It, things were really, really looking great. Then three months later, everything came crashing down. And now we don't even know, uh, like we, we, we are, some of us are in that situation that we have so many bills to pay that we just throw them up and whatever we catch, we pay, right? Because it's, we don't know, the future can do this with us. It was the same thing with the people of Israel. The difference in the Old Testament is that God was telling them that the future didn't look very bright to them because of their disobedience, because of the way they were behaving, because of the way they were living their lives. And that takes me back to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. You can find the story of Jeremiah as the following. Actually, Jeremiah is, call, is called the, the, the crying prophet of the Old Testament. His book can sound very depressing when you know, when you pay attention to what is going around him. 
Uh, Jeremiah had a long ministry. He was called, very, he was very young when God called him. And he was, he had a long ministry of about 45 years. And from the day he was called by God to be a prophet in Judah, God told him, I'm sending you to a stiff-necked people. I'm sending you to a stubborn people. I'm sending you to have a long ministry preaching judgment, hope also, but judgment. And you know what, Jeremiah? Nobody will listen to you. Nobody will listen to what you have to say. The kingdom of Judah which was the southern kingdom, was in its last decades of life. They were about to be destroyed and they didn't even notice. There was an incredible superpower in those days called the Assyrian Empire. They ruled the Near East for about 300 years. Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. The evil city Jonah went to preach in and people repented. But the gener one generation later, people went back to do the, all the evil things the Assyrians liked to do. The Assyrians uh, created or developed a technique that was very uh, frightening to everybody around in that part of the world. Exile. They came to a country, to a nation, to a place they conquered. They took the people from that place and they sent them away to another part of the empire to disconnect them from their land, from their gods, from their roots, from anything. And somebody, when a group of people was sent away in exile, they never came back. They never, ever, ever returned. And that was very frightening to anyone. If the Assyrians were on the way, people were like, oh my word, they would take us away and we would never came, come back again. Well, it happens that the Assyrians were destroyed. The Babylonians came and took the, the Near East out of their hands. Uh, Babylon conquered, Nineveh conquered the whole territory of the, of the Assyrians, and Babylon came marching upon all the nations that belonged, that were under the rule of the Assyrians. And one of the nations that was on the way, even though they, God delivered them from the hands of the Assyrians, was Judah, capital Jerusalem. The land of God's people. The, Assyrian, the Babylonians came and Jeremiah was, he spent decades and decades and decades telling the people in Judah, you guys will be destroyed. You guys will be sent into exile because you guys are disobedient. And God is going to send you into exile for 70 years. Wait, wait, wait. If the Assyrians took people away and they never come back, how can you tell us that the Babylonians will take us and bring us back 70 years later? Well, because God was in control. God said, I'm going to send them away for 70 years. One year for every sabbatical year, they didn't respect my, my law. What happened? The people of God lived for 490 years in the, in the realm God gave to them, in the land God gave to them. But there was a rule in the law of Moses saying that every seventh year, they should let the land rest. They shouldn't plant anything. They shouldn't raise any crops. Just let the, ra the, 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 let the land rest and God would give them what they needed to survive. Well, 490 years later, they never respected. So if you divide this by seven, it's 70. God said, I'm going to send you into exile for 70 years. So you stay away from the land. The land can rest. And not only because the land needed to rest. 
but because it was a stipulation of the covenant. God had a covenant with his people. And in this covenant, he said, if you go back to Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30, if you obey me, I'm going to bless you. But if you break my covenant, if you start disobeying me, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to do a lot of stuff with you. One of them is to send you into exile and bring you back later. Jeremiah was reminding the people of this, but nobody cared. They just kept on living their sins. They just kept on disobeying God. They couldn't care less for what Jeremiah or God or anybody else could say. Well, one day the bill came. They, the Babylonians knocked at their door, said, Okay, uh, me, uh, people of Judah, the Assyrians are out of the game, but we are here, and we came to conquer your country. They came, they surrounded Jerusalem, they took Jerusalem without destroying the city. Jerusalem had nothing to do but surround the, 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 the people of Judah. They gave the city to the Babylonians and said, okay, we can't resist you. So the Babylonians took the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, or in the whole land, first the, the novelty, first the, the, the important people of the land, and they took them into captivity to the city of Babylon. In 605, 605 before Christ. Then in 597, they were there again. There was a revolt. They came back. And they took the, the rest of the important people sent to Babylon again. First, uh, the first group of people, the prophet Daniel was sent to Babylon. The second group of people, the prophet Ezekiel was sent to Babylon or nearby Babylon. And then the, they didn't learn the lesson. They kept rebelling. In 586, the Babylonians came back and now they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They destroyed the temple and they took all the rest of the people into captivity. They left on the land only the poorest of the poorest so they could stay there doing whatever they wanted. But Jeremiah was all the time telling them this would happen because of their stubbornness, because they broke the covenant. This would happen to them because they did not obey God's law. So God fulfilled his promise. But then when the people was in despair, okay, now they were taken out of their land. The city was destroyed. The situation looked gloomy to them. They did not know what to expect. They did not know what the future had in, uh, in store for them. Actually, they couldn't even believe God one day would bring them back it's because nothing like this ever happened to any people who were taken into exile. But anyway, God told Jeremiah to write a letter and send to the people in Babylon. God said, Jeremiah, write down a letter and send to the exiles in Babylon telling them what I have in store for them. And that's when we come to Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 and 12. So Jeremiah chapter 29, verses uh, 11 and 12. Well, the letter starts saying, uh, telling them, actually, I'm going to read a little bit, uh, some more verses for you. Uh, starting on verse 4. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting on verse 4. I'm going to read all the way until I get to chapter uh, to verse 12. I'm reading on the ESV. I did not know you guys used uh, use NIV, so I should have asked you first. But anyway, it's very similar. Uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 4 says, Thus says the Lord, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons. 
and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So, I sent you into exile, but I want you to live your life there, normally, and pray for the place. Work for the welfare of the place, and the welfare of the place is going to be your welfare. Uh, first, uh, verse 8, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Those guys were saying, Oh, it's going to take just a few years and we will be back. Don't worry. We are going to Babylon, but we will be soon back to our land. No, this is a lie. You guys will stay there for a long, long time. For thus says the Lord, verse 10, When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I, knows, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. That's the word of the Lord in that letter to the people uh, in Babylon. He wrote more words, but I think it's enough to stop here. So, what did Jeremiah want with this letter? What did God want with this letter? Well, Jeremiah wrote to the people in exile to encourage them to leave the present and make a good use of their opportunities in Babylon. We never know what the future has in store for us. Even though God told them they would stay in Babylon for 70 years, they did not know all the details of the thing. The prophet Daniel had to find this out later on. And the people who went back in 500, 586, the city was destroyed. 538, they were sent back home from Babylon back to Jerusalem. So even though God had promised them, they did not know all the details. We don't know all the details of what God, God has in store for us. We know what he wants for us, but we don't know everything. So what do we do then today? Well, live the present. That's what the people in Babylon had to do. Live the present. Uh, good, make good use of the, their opportunities in Babylon. Work for the welfare of the city. Because the welfare of the city will mean your welfare. Whatever we are planted at this moment, that's the same idea. Work for the welfare of the place we are in. And the welfare of that place will be our welfare. The return from Babylon to the homeland would take a long time to happen. But the future of the exiles was in God's hand and they should not fear. Let me take a look uh, to the passage again with you, verses 11-12. Look, listen to what God has said. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God had a plan for his people. 
the government didn't have a plan for, for his people. Maybe they had, but it doesn't matter. The mayor, the governor, the president, the OMS, or sorry, OMS, no, it's World Health, the WHO maybe had a plan for the, for, for, for the world. But God has a plan for his people. God had a plan for his people. Nobody else had. God had, declares the Lord. And what were those plans in this very gloomy situation, environment, time they were living in? Plans for welfare and not for evil. God doesn't desire. God doesn't expect. God doesn't like evil to come upon anyone. But one thing, he, he doesn't want bad things to happen to people, anybody. But there's one more specific thing. He wants the welfare of his people. God wants our welfare. He works for that. That's why he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross on our behalf. Because he wants our welfare. He knows that living in this world is not easy for us. In a, in a world surrounded by sin, by disease, by so many problems. But he has a plan of welfare for our lives, for the life of his people. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. When God works for our welfare, when we understand that God's biggest interest is our welfare as his people, we call upon him. We pray to him, and we start hearing what he has to say to us. For 45 years, the people of Judah, the people of Jerusalem, did not hear the word of the Lord. And when trouble came, when finally judgment came upon the city, they were not ready to face the situation. Why? Because they spent the last 45 years of their lives ignoring what God had to say. But then the prophet has to come again because the Lord never ceases speaking to his people. I have a plan for you. You guys are in this situation now, but you know what? I have a plan for your welfare. Just wait and see. The same way you guys are in trouble now, and I told you you would be in trouble. You guys will be out of trouble when I declare the time has arrived. God knows what he's doing. He's the only one who went to the future and he knows what is in the future because he decided and he can do it. You, as I said before, what is annoying about the future is that we cannot go there and find out what is in, in store for us. But we have a God who goes there. He comes back, he tells us, and we can trust him as that people could trust him. So, what's the lesson here? Both the present and the future of God's, of God's people are in his hands. Your future is in God's hands. We have a missionary back in Atibaya, Caio, his name. Caio studies six, give and take. Uh, he's married to Milena, and he has two kids. One, has one boy has five, the other boy has two. It's two. Uh, it's five and two, I believe. 
Caio got, uh, he got COVID last year, months ago, and he was healed, he was okay, but few weeks ago, maybe two, two and a half weeks ago, Caio found out he had a problem, and a, uh, I don't know exactly what the problem is, but he went to the hospital, and then he was transferred to another intensive care unit in, in Bragança Paulista, and he's there for about 12 days already, He's sedated. He has something on his lungs. It's a result of the COVID. And we don't know if Caio is going to survive. His kidneys are not working well. Uh, the doctors are trying everything. And the government sent a medicine which is really, really strong to deal with his problem. We have been praying for Caio daily. We have been waiting for news daily. His wife has uh, feeding us with news, and, and, and we are thinking, what if Kyle uh, goes to be with the Lord? What about his wife? She's so young. What about his children? Uh, what, what, what's going to happen with us? We don't know. We don't know. The only thing we can rest on is in the promise, is in the fact that both the present and the future of God's people are in his hands. And then he works for our welfare. It's, maybe it's tough to say this in, in the moment when some of us lost people. We, some of us here maybe may have lost relatives for, to COVID or people who work with us, people we know. Maybe the church lost someone. I don't know. How can we say this? In the same way the people were listening to Jeremiah for 45 years and they couldn't know if what Jeremiah was saying was serious, how can we know that God, uh, both present and the future of God's people, are in his hands? Well, we have to trust. That's what is left to us, for us. Well, God has a plan to each one of his servants, and he's always taking care of them. God is taking care of Caio now. God is taking care of his wife. We don't know the result of this, but God is taking care. He is taking care. I was coming, coming here, I was listening uh, to an audiobook on the car, uh, The Life of Rachel Sant. I don't know if you, if you ever heard the, the story of the Alca Indians in Ecuador who killed five missionaries, I think, in the 1950s. The most famous of them is Jim Elliott, but the other one, another one is Nate Sant. He's the brother of this missionary, uh, Rachel Sant. Rachel saw her, her brother dying in the hands of the, a group of Indians that she wanted to reach with the gospel. And because of the death of her brother and the other four missionaries, everything turned, uh, God turned everything upside down and the doors were open and that savage tribe was reached with the gospel. So God has a plan. He's taking care of his people. Sometimes we don't know how. And the people of God have only to go on living their lives and enjoying every opportunity to grow. That's what Jeremiah said to the people in the latter. Stay where you are, work for the welfare of the city. Know that you guys will stay there for a long, long, long time. Don't expect to come back home anytime soon. But while you are away, just work for the welfare of the city. So, what's the take here then? What do I take from this? Like the exiles in Babylon learned, we should also stop trusting those who promise us a bright future in a short time 
God told them in the letter, do not listen to those false prophets who come to you telling you amazing things. Actually, in chapter 28, there is a guy called Hananiah, a prophet, who was trying to say that Jeremiah was wrong. And the problem, the trouble the nation was facing in the hands of the Babylonians would, would soon be over. And they would be back home no time. But God said, don't believe in this kind of people. They, these people, they don't know what they are saying. Believe me. Trust my word. Don't trust those who offer you easy ways out. Don't trust those who offer you shortcuts. Don't trust who make everything sound so easy and fast to be solved. That's not God's way. Make a good use of the opportunities as God helps you build a blessed future step by step. Live today, live tomorrow, live the day after tomorrow, expecting your God to interfere on your behalf, on the behalf of your family, on the behalf of your relatives, on the behalf of your friends, on the behalf of people around you who are facing maybe problems much bigger than you are. Challenges that you can't even imagine. God is at work around us. And he wants us to find this out. He wants us to join him. He wants us to enjoy the opportunities to, to join him in this great endeavor of living faithfully and with confidence in a world that is crumbling around us. And if I could summarize this whole idea in one big idea, I would tell you this. Because the Lord has a plan for my future, I should stop fearing for my life and start seeking him with all my heart. Because I can't fix my heart myself. I can't, so I can't get rid of enough to calm down, grow quiet, and let all the troubles go away, Hakuna Matata. But most of us, we need someone to help us, and God is there to help us. He can work in, within our hearts, and he can make a, take us to a place of refuge, because this place of refuge is himself. We don't know what the future has in store for us, but we have a God who has been to the future, and he came back to tell us what is in there. And what is in there for us, it's a bright future, no matter how long it takes. So the challenge, apply yourself to the opportunities you have in life right now and start living the present. Do not fear the, fear the future, for God has a plan for your life. That's why, according to Jeremiah, we can live fearless. Today, we can live fearless. Tomorrow, and we can live fearless forever. Let's pray. And after we pray, uh, we can go outside and pray together. If you, if you, if you want to pray, uh, I'll be walking there, and I believe somebody else will be there with us, and we can pray together for your life. Let us pray now. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the message Jeremiah sent to the people in exile, the message that they needed so much, God, and message that we need so much. Father, help us calm down grow quiet in your presence. Help us uh, be brave 
and face life and face the challenges of these days uh, with confidence. confidence. Confidence that you are taking care of us and that you have the best in store for us. You, you, you are working for our welfare and you have your ways of doing it, even if we don't understand at this point. But please help us to get our hearts quiet in your presence and grow in our trust. And thank you because Jesus Christ living in us through the Spirit can get us to this place. Help us, Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.